0: everyone this is inside bristol live a weekly podcast that takes you behind the headlines and inside your local newsroom i'm bronwyn weatherby your host for this week's episode taking you through some of the bigger stories and events that have happened in the city so before we get started, a bit of housekeeping. You can rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, please do, and join in on the conversation by tweeting at IBL Podcast. Or you can find me personally at B-R-O-N Bron Weatherby. This week, we've got some really great guests on. Uh, first up, we're talking to Tom Canning. He's joined us for the last month from the Central Team. That's the Central Team in Canary Wharf. Um, and he's learning the ropes a bit about how to be a journalist and, and what we go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, we're going to be ta- talking to him about his experiences in the Bristol Live newsroom. So that's going to be a good chat. We're also going to talk to Tristan Cork, a podcast veteran that he is. Uh, we're going to talk to him today about... About the buses in Bristol. Now, don't worry; it's not as boring as it sounds. Tristan knows a lot about this subject, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive into what's going on. But up first, we've got Tom. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I meant to say hi. Oh, first? sorry. <laughs> um, how are you doing, Tom? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Um, Yeah, so we're here to talk about um, your foray into the world of journalism today. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Can you explain a bit about yourself and where you come from?
1: What's your name and where would you come from? Yeah, well, a bit Um, about
0: your background work history as well, please. (laughs) Um,
1: So uh, my name's Tom Canning. I am a 12 or 13 year veteran of uh, what was, I suppose, Trinity Mirror. Um, They call that
0: a company man.
1: Yeah, I think also institutionalised. I think as well, um, no hope on the outside world. Um, I've done uh, pretty much everything. I started straight out of university, working in uh, work, like working on that internet as a guy that uploaded stories on a Friday to the internet uh, straight out of university, which felt like a. A, a well worth well uh a useful thing for my skills that i'd i'd learned out of university all those four years and i was loading stories <laughs> to the internet and i uh, gradually worked through advertising departments not selling anything because i couldn't sell a thing but um <laughs> sell me this pen uh, it's a nice pen thank but, you do you want to buy it
0: no i have it already oh, okay we'll see. <laughs> exactly you see
1: um <laughs> so yeah so uh so I there was there it. was that um and then just kind of worked my way through went off to big bad canary wharf to do um kind of website building for for like the the wide thing which is why bristol live now has a lovely new shiny website although the adverts have nothing to do with me i must add <laughs> before anybody at me nothing to do with
0: absolutely me. everything to do with you tom mm-hmm. No, nothing. It's at Tom Canning if you uh, want to have a go at him
1: It's not, you got it wrong and I'm not telling you <laughs>
0: um,
1: And then uh, ended up working on, on what we've co- what's sort of called the central team Which is effectively a team of people who work around the country uh, Going into different newsrooms around the country So anything from Liverpool to uh, Newcastle, uh, Surrey, Kent, Cornwall Cornwall's lovely in the autumn Oh delightful, <laughs> so it's five weeks there, it was fantastic when,
0: What do you think of Bristol
1: I love Bristol. Absolutely love Bristol. And um, you know, it's 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 eclectic. I think um, I think that's
0: a good word to describe Bristol. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I've spent the last month here. Basically, I've done everything the wrong way around. So I've decided that I need a bit of, you know, a bit of paper to back up everything that I go around saying. So I thought I'll go and trend to be a journalist for a little while. So that meant coming to Bristol, which is quite near my home in Reading. So yeah. I've, I've not. I've, I've been staying with a friend out in Westbury and commuting in, which is. Delightful, five <laughs> miles in fifty minutes.
0: Um, so, is that what got you um, interested in sort of getting a feel of the newsroom, basically? Because you've been in newsrooms, like yeah, you said. Oh yes, a lot, a lot. Um,
1: I, I think um, ultimately it helps to have an understanding. If you're going to go around telling people what you think they should be doing, it helps to have a bit of empathy with what a- that actually means. So, mm-hmm. go and knock on some doors. If I to- if I said to you, go and knock on some doors and find out what's going on. Um I have no idea. Like you, you come back and you say, Oh, no one was in and I'll turn around and go Well, you should have just knocked on some more doors. Come on, keep just keep going. Yeah. I've no understanding that, that there might not be people there or people don't want to talk or the kind of you know, mental, emotional things you have to go through to actually walk up to a strange person's house and ask them what happened or why you know some tragedy has happened in their lives so yeah. it, I think being able to do this and having now done it myself um, I know exactly what it's like and you can have a little bit of empathy with people you may be asking to do these things yeah. which I think is important
0: well let's go there because so it's a month that you, you've, you're you having yes. in Bristol like yes. newsroom quite early on uh, I remember you were sort of sent out to do some <laughs> door knocking yes <laughs> I, I remember you were sat opposite me so I, I saw the worried look on your face
1: yeah um, the other thing was of course, it was my birthday that day as oh, well. Oh, of course it yeah. was. So I walked in and uh, and Beth came up to me and went, uh, I've got something for you to do today. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> you know, I've got cakes.
0: Yeah, it's a birthday <laughs> surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, tell me about that. What w- do you remember? What you were doing?
1: Um. Yeah. So, so it was the um the awful scenario where you had the double stabbing, or mm. what we believed at the time was a double stabbing. Yeah, fish double, in Fish ponds. Serious assaults. Yeah. Serious assaults, and um, it was effectively go out and find out what was going on. So yeah. I jumped in my car. Um took a rucksack with me just uh, to make it look like I was proper yeah. um had a notepad and pen and and went down there to try and find out what was going on yeah um the first bit I, the first part I went to was down end by the down end tavern
0: that was where the second yes, the second, the had second one yeah.
1: Yeah. um i I did I the think the fatal th- one yes, I think it was I checked with you and said or you and Alex and said, said where should I go first? you said,' I'll pop down that one first, and to yeah, be honest, definitely. I'm glad I did because that was actually quite a nice way to dip your toe in the water because um it was it was all cordoned off you there was nothing you could really see but there were obviously police around and I, I, I sort of had a walk around and I noticed that the pub was open. Mm. And anybody that knows me, that knows that's right in my ballpark. <laughs> so I, I, know, I just walked in the pub and started chatting to people. And the, the landlady in there was very nice. Um, they all sort of said, "Oh, you know, it's not the sort of thing that really happens around here.
0: No, it was quite a shock to Um it was,
1: it, was, it was a real shock. But they had a community morning on that morning as well. So there were people still going in for cups of tea and everybody was just chatting about it. And yeah. then uh, I, I went and knocked on some doors And effectively, you know, there was nobody in. There there was no one in because there were no cars on the driveway and everybody had obviously all gone to work. So I was knocking on a few doors and then I noticed that um, the bakery that was within the cordon there were people going in and out of there mm. so I went and had a chat with them uh to sort of find out what was going on and you know again they didn't know a lot about what was going on but it was interesting to talk to them about how it affected their business and yeah. I was able to just kind of get they sent me a couple of pictures later they said to me oh we will be we're going to open outside the pub so they were send me a couple of pictures later on um, it was great just meeting some of these people I went down to the other to the to the other one and had a little bit of a chat around it. all of the houses were inside the cordon so it was a bit difficult to actually go and door knock there. Yeah. So I just accosted people on the street. <laughs> yeah. And everybody was, everybody was sort of going, No, yeah, no, it's not that sort of place, not that sort of place. But then yeah. I spoke to one guy who was out walking the, walking his dog and he just went, No, we've been waiting for something like this to happen. There's <laughs> been kids everywhere. It's been it's been it's been, you know, yeah. just waiting to happen and it was quite a it was quite quite an astonishing like every i think I think almost like people were keeping themselves to themselves, mm. and then this guy was just like, No, 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 I'm not having this i
0: I find that there's sometimes a fear that um they fear that journalists are going to report on their area of a, of, of a city in yeah. in, a, in a bad way. But actually what it's all about is is getting out into the community, seeing how it's affected them, you know, speaking yeah. to the bakery and the pub and yeah. and talking about, you know, their shock and how it's affected their business. That's all really important context to the fact that two really serious assaults have happened. Well, night but, I
1: mean, precisely. But I, I mean, aside from all that, I guess, just being able to say that business is open mm. because that's obviously, you know, it's people's lives there. Of course. obviously people's lives are involved in you know in in the in the incidents that happen but also there's people stuck behind cordons that you know they' yeah. they you know they've got a livelihood to maintain a small business has got a something to 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 lose really because then they're not able to so just being able to say they're open was 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 quite a important thing as well i think. yeah
0: for me getting into journalism when I, when I first started doing work experience that was what it was all about for me not all all yeah. that it was all about but a lot of it was that kind of um I hesitate to say excitement because you're you're sometimes on assignments like that, yeah. Um, but they're not all serious results. No. <laughs> um, but it's that kind of um, adrenaline that you get when you're you're out and you're just you've just got to speak to people. Yeah, you've got to approach them, and that's really quite nerve wracking for for a lot of people. It's
1: definitely a skill. Mm. Um, being able to just go and talk to someone and be. Empathetic, I think that's the right word. Mm. It, uh, it just show some empathy with someone yeah. um, who may or may not have seen something awful, or or, um, or or anything like that. I think the one the one thing that I would say would help any any sort of future purveyors of crime would be do it near a pub because it makes a journalist's life a lot easier. <laughs> yes,
0: please do. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so, what have been your favourite bits? Do you think
1: um, it's been quite interesting because I've been I've been on the end of some uh, interesting comments online. Um, um, apparently, I use the word popular quite a lot. I mean, I I find it hard <laughs> to believe.
0: That'd make you a good what's on writer.
1: Sorry, Robin. <laughs> well, a bit, people, are, people are suggesting that maybe Halloween isn't popular. I'd say that is not popular i would say that there's pretty heavy evidence. It's increasingly
0: it is. popular, isn't it? Yes. UK?
1: I also believe I said um, H&M was a popular retailer, which I think is also fair. I'm so, a
0: fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any of these things are, un, uh, are unjustified. Um, no. I, but I, th- I think um, what's been interesting is um, I wrote quite a lot about uh, small bar going cashless, which was one of the most popular stories that I wrote. I, yeah. I was interested to see the 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 backlash to a bar saying we're only going to take cards was mm. just. I, I I mean, even now, I don't understand why people had such a reaction to yeah. it. Um, you can't
0: always tell what reaction you're going to have to a story, and that's one of the really yeah. interesting things because you'll write a story in a balanced, you know, yes. way just as yeah. a news piece, but you'll in your mind you'll think. They'll probably react to it the way I reacted to it, Um, which was (laughs) yeah, or great, or this is awful, and then uh, the public will actually have the complete opposite reaction, or at least the people who've you know commented, bothered commenting, and it's really surprising. Sometimes I think
1: think the 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 interesting the, the thing that got me was the most people saying, "What about my privacy? What about you know?" And I guess I, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what what is it you're doing with your money that means it needs to be private? Well, you know, no, no one's going to break into my bank account and go, oh, look what he's spending his money on. This, you know, it's mostly McDonald's. I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm am not, not sure if I get the privacy argument, but
1: no, I mean, if if it means that people might steal your money, I, I get, I do understand yeah. that joke in aside, but you know, if it's a if it's just a privacy thing, I'm, I'm I don't I just don't buy that. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the other thing has been um, uh, parking and uh, oh, residence yeah. parking so you've
0: got deep into I've the parking gone really, issues Really,
1: really deep and i think the one thing that i know so from all the news going around all the newsrooms in the country that we have i think there's, there is the, the hottest the biggest political topic the one that's starting an argument more than anything else is the issue of residence parking and yeah. and traffic and though you know bigger it's it's bigger than brexit it's bigger than <laughs> it's bigger than Well you
0: hit it here first well
1: it it, it is single single-handedly the biggest issue facing any uh any any local area any residential area any yeah. you know the, the one thing in any residential area that's likely to cause an argument is someone parking outside your house so it's been really interesting going into that and i think um I've been talk- I've talked to a, a pedestrian campaigner yesterday, which I think is something that doesn't get covered very often. Mm. Um, and uh, but the thing is, everybody has their own single minded way of doing things. And the thing I've learned about walking around Bristol and like going and visiting some of the places that seem to be affected is that there's actually no one single solution to it. You can say resident parking scheme, or you can say yellow lines, or you can say uh, you know don't park on the pavements. The sim- uh, you know the simple fact is, then it seems to me that there needs to be a, a major combined effort of a bunch of those things to fix to fix the problems. Because ultimately, if you've got cars down two sides of a street and they're parking partly on the pavement, not to block the road, all of this kind of thing, just getting rid of one side of those cars. Where are those cars going to go? Because those cars exist. Mm. And, and, and so th- Well that's it mm. you're
0: stuck between a rock and a hard oh, place Oh massively, massively aren't you in a sort of ever growing population Yeah who like using cars
1: Precisely and, and an awful lot of those pavements in those sorts of areas are already not wide enough without having cars parked on them so it, it's very difficult to kind of explain to someone that you're talking to that you, you do actually I do see both sides of these arguments mm. and this whole thing needs to be needs, needs to be one big idea to fix the whole thing. Yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, ultimately more people need to jump on the buses. More people need to, uh, you know, need to cycle. Cycling is just crazy around here. Sorry, (laughs) I've just segued into uh, into another thing. it's
0: lovely to see (laughs) how passionate you are because if, if one, if one thing that I, I don't think a lot of people um, realize about journalists is, um that they are you know very passionate about the things that they write about and about issues in their local community would would you say that's right yes
1: i I think um i think a lot of I think a lot of people reading what some of the things we write will only see the stuff that they think is fluff Mm. um or why you've only written that so i click on it I, i think what they don't see is the passionate journalist that has written something like, you know, 10 really cheap things you can buy for your kids in Aldi, but is also in the background working on something in depth about council policy or, you know, something really, really important. and, and these these sort of fluff bits get, at times, get people, you know, the, I don't think there's anything that goes out, particularly on Bristol Live, that isn't relevant to a local audience. Um, whether people agree with that or not, that's that's entirely yeah. up to them. Well, but at the
0: end of the day, people click on those stories they, and, they, they, and do. they like reading them. They, so we do them alongside the other yes.
1: serious... Uh, often that stuff is a gateway to some of the more serious stuff that we do and actually getting people to recognise what Bristol Live is actually trying to do, which is, which is actually i believe i think and most of the th- most of the newsrooms i go to is actually trying to make the area a better place yeah which which is which is but as as you say i agree. I, I think um people don't realize how passionate journalists are about what they what it is that they what it is they do what it is they write about you know we have journalists that are incredibly passionate about local politics we have um jeff who who is incredibly I, i'm not sure passionate is the right word but 15 he,
0: years under yeah. his belt of court reporting yeah you know, these uh, are these
1: are people who know their stuff yeah and i think that's incredibly impressive and and i don't think people always quite realize that i think sometimes they just think we just get stuff off twitter
0: mm. a quick last question sure. then um as Chris is telling us to wrap up there, <laughs> stop talking. Um, I could go on for hours. Me too. Um, what is the thing that's most surprised you about coming into this newsroom? About being a journalist?
1: Um, I, I think it's it's probably the 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 one thing that happens in this newsroom is you guys pitch stories, mm. um, which I think uh, and and it could be I could it could have changed quite a lot now. But uh, in my recent visits elsewhere, there's not many other newsrooms that actually get their teams together to pitch mm. to. The news editor, um, so that you guys are actually out there finding stories yourselves, which I think is is quite. It was an alien concept when I came here last February for the first time, uh, and I, I just think it's absolutely amazing that you've got people that are so embedded in certain communities and certain areas and certain groups and have things that they really enjoy and things that they're passionate about and the fact that they're able to go and pitch stories themselves and and it's they're not relying on on. They don't. They, you know. If I guess, if I would say one thing to anybody listening to this, they they really don't rely on Twitter and Facebook. They're massive tools to be able to get information and stuff. But you know, these journalists are serious quality, and they are really really passionate about what they do.
0: Oh well, thanks, Tom. It's been lovely having you in the newsroom for the last (laughs) month. So uh, you'll be sorely missed when you go. Thanks. (laughs) Well, it's only
1: two more days. So
0: (laughs) and then a party. It was really great to speak to Tom there. Um, Really nice to hear what he had to say about the newsroom. Hope it hasn't put anyone off being a journalist. Maybe it's made you excited about the prospect of becoming a reporter. But um, it's certainly been nice to have him here. So next we're going to talk to Tristan Cork about why the buses haven't been fair recently. Anyone? Okay, here's Tristan. Hi, Tristan. Hello. Back again?
2: Yes. On the right side of the desk this time, not On the, other side, the, the other, d- other side of the desk. The other side of the desk. Not hosting, thankfully.
0: This is your role as a reporter, not a yep. podcast host.
2: Indeed. Yes. Hello.
0: Wonderful. And you're here to talk to us today a bit about buses.
2: buses Oh,
0: there's so much going on with this there in is- Bristol at the moment. Can you give us a rundown?
2: Okay, so... The, so bit of background, Bristol has buses. <laughs> um, I think Bear
0: with us, it's a I, Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think about a third of the people get in Bristol get to work on the bus. Mm. Um, something like that. It's, it's, the statistic goes up and down depending on the season, because in course. the winter more people go on the bus than perhaps would walk or cycle. Um, and uh, so it's obviously an important part of the transport uh Public transport in this city and the people way people get around. Um, now, since so, there's always been low key grumbles about the buses in Bristol, um, and uh, they reached a sudden and uh, spike in a crescendo of complaints um, from about September onwards. Um, so probably since the last time we were talking about buses, I think the last time we talked about buses, we talked about Metro bus. Yeah. Um, but then this is just general buses.
0: So what sort of complaints are they getting?
2: So the, the basically, since September, there's been a big problem on the buses. The first major problem that people reported was that buses weren't turning up. They were just being cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one is that when they did turn up, they were overcrowded or full and not stopping um, and then if they did turn up they were late so there's three things there that could go wrong with your bus um, and I'm not sure which is worse I guess probably
0: I've had all of those things yeah, happen to me me too and I've had I've been on a bus all going fine turned up on time had a driver wasn't full and then got to a, a stop that was a long way off my stop and said I'm gonna have to stop here I was meant to change but there's no driver mm.
2: That's a 24, isn't it? Yeah. So I got a 24 home the other day because, um, I don't know, li- listeners, me and Bronwyn live in the same same parish. Yeah. Um, got a 24 and they, st- they changed drivers in the se- centre, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, I got on the 24 and he went, just to let you know, I don't know if there's going to be a driver. <laughs> like, I know. I've got no idea if the actual driver is going to come and replace me at the next stop. And I, I was know. like... I'll take my chances. Isn't it
0: funny the the most British reaction you'll ever see? There's no ranting or raging. There might be like a mutter under the breath. Yeah. Oh, I'm good. certainly a, a mutter under yeah. the breath. And then everyone just gets off.
2: But then you can't <laughs> you can't um have a go at the driver who's getting off, can you? Because no, like of he not. he's got to finish work. Yeah. You it's, it's you can't rage at a driver who isn't there. Mm. You can take to Twitter, which is what I do.
0: I take to Twitter. Take yeah. to
2: Twitter and just go Rah! Uh, at First Bus B.S. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, anyway, so that was the that was the problem. The reasons for it were actually much more complicated than people thought. That uh, It wasn't just the buses are rubbish. Okay, interesting. So, okay, here we go. So there are lots of different reasons. The first one is that in September, school holidays finished. Every time the kids are at school, there's a lot more, obviously, kids on the bus, uh, school kids on the buses. And also there's a lot more traffic because parents, if the kids aren't on the bus, the parents are driving them to school. Mm. So there's just I think there's like a 25% increase in the amount of cars on the road.
0: Surely that happens every year though.
2: It happens every year. Also what happens every year is that students arrive to the city's two big universities. Of course, yeah. Um, This year there were more than ever. So the universities are expanding and also because um, the way that the students, increasingly now students are living in halls that are kind of in, in especially uni, uh, kind of all over the city. Yeah, so it's French not really a. a campus
0: uni, is yeah, it? It's kind of all spread out everywhere.
2: There's sort of French A, um, Bower Ashton down in South West Bristol, uh, and then the main one um, up sort of on the, ring road by Filton mm. um, so they're all over the place and uh, so students are dri- uh, travelling around a lot more on the buses so that's those, those three are things that, that, that you sh- presumably should foresee also the going into autumn means that pe- less pe- fewer people uh, cycle or walk and they might get the bus as well so there's mm. always generally always an annual upturn this was bigger than normal years um, the second uh, thing which uh, isn't normal for this time of year but has been an issue is the fact that there's lots of roadworks going on. Yeah. Um, so around Temple Meads uh, is the worst spot um, and that's been there for a few months and it's going to be there for another year. Um, and that uh, has caused, especially coming from South Bristol, has caused huge delays in c- crossing the city because it's pretty much the only way in.
0: It takes so long. Oh God. So uh, long.
2: It's just... Oh, and Right, I'll, we'll talk about that another <laughs> time. And then the third main reason, and this is probably the one that's been the most controversial, is that first bus who run almost all the buses in Bristol have are experiencing a huge recruitment problem, shortage of drivers. Right. Across at one point, across the whole, so this has been in the last two months. So we are now the start of November. This has been since probably about the middle of maybe the first couple of weeks of September to now. So the last two months, First Bus have found that across the whole West of England region, which is Bristol, Bath, South Gloucester, kind of that area, they are 150 drivers short. At one point, they were. Wow. Um, And that's because they haven't. Apparently, they've they've said they haven't. They weren't able to recruit as many drivers through the summer as they normally would do. Um, So they've got less drivers and actually need more drivers. Is something
0: putting them off?
2: Um, I don't know. That's a question that we (laughs) we should ask first. (laughs) Yeah, they (coughs) they say that they are um, uh, actively recruiting lots of drivers. So what they've had to do is bus drivers in, bus in the verb. In the <laughs> <laughs> Bring drivers in, in. Bus
0: them in in buses or?
2: Mm. Bring drivers in from as far away as Cornwall and Dorset oh. um, to uh, fill the gaps. So that's when there's no drivers, when they, they have to effectively cancel the buses. Mm. And then when there's, fewer buses running so say you've got a bus let's talk about the route the the one of the main routes that has caused a lot of problems for people and it's coincidentally the one that i get
0: it's close to our heart
2: (laughs) is the 75 and 76 bus um, which is the main arterial north south route from Hengrove depot through hartcliffe south west bristol withywood uh bishopsworth all the way up through Bemidji City Centre, and then up Gloucester Road, and then it kind of splits and goes. And one ends up in Cribs Causeway, the other goes somewhere in, in uh, Henbury. Mm. Um, so they're the major bus routes. And what happens with them is, if there's one cancelled, then people, are, then more people are getting on the one that the second one that does turn up, and then yeah, that takes longer for people to physically get on the buses, and um, then. It, so it's late,
0: and they're double deckers as well, aren't they? Yeah, always packed,
2: always packed, yeah. and then, um, yeah, so and often as well, sometimes they might have a driver who can only drive single deckers, um, so oh, they is only, that a thing, yeah, so they only put single, but anyway, <laughs> um, so that's been the problem, right? Um, that's why there's lots and lots of we've been doing lots of stories from based on people whose lives are affected by this, mm. so it's been a developing story and it's quite interesting to see how um, us doing a story in the first place triggers more stories and it builds up momentum. Yeah. Because this is, you know, this podcast is Inside Bristol Live and we're inside, this is how it works. We are, yeah. Um, What happens is we do stories about people complaining about the buses. We get more people complaining about the buses and they sort of, it's almost like a competition of who's got the worst bus route. (laughs) Yeah. To the point where, then a lady who's a mum of a little baby she lives in Brisington, her baby goes to nursery in Clifton I think mm. she must work up there as well so
0: she has to essentially to cross the cross the city cross the city now yeah. it's
2: not that's only one bus it's the the number 1 bus goes from her her street to where she's got to okay go. but it never turns up it's it's she's waiting there 45 minutes she Aww. she had to <clears throat> she had to um, uh, breastfeed her child, her mm. infant, on sat on the curb waiting for a bus. It didn't turn up, that kind of thing. So she felt so strongly about it that she basically, while while she was on the bus with her infant child screaming because she hadn't had a tea or whatever, uh, she just instantly set up a Facebook event without really thinking it through protest about the buses college green <laughs> and picked a date at random and uh and it uh, oh, instantly took God. off
0: yeah i was gonna say hundreds oh. of
2: people within about so we i think we picked it up on about the, within i think 24 hours because i think someone someone invited me quite soon There must be someone sitting around looking at Facebook events in Bristol that say the word protest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And they go, Tristan Cork will go to that.
2: Invite. (laughs) Um, So I saw it within 24 hours. I think I probably saw it the next morning and she did it in the afternoon. But within, and I kind of looked at it and thought, "Hmm." and then within the the next day after that, it had hundreds of people. Wow. Saying they were going to go to it. And so we did a story about her. We talked to her. She's since been on the radio, the telly in other publications mm. after she spoke to us.
0: Mm-hmm. We uh, got their first. <coughs> Indeed. It's not all about that, but some it's of not it's not about that. About but that. It's <laughs> worth
2: pointing out that, um, that it is worth pointing out. Yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she's been, she, she I think she's, uh, she's done national media as well. I think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what she's calling for and what's quite good about what she's doing is she's actually just not doing a protest oh, on the buses rubbish something's got to be done she's actually working out what could be done mm. and this leads That's on to so our, good yeah so this leads on to our second uh, third aspect of this story is like the kind of political machinations about it so um, first bus are, uh, they run bus services in Bristol most almost all of them are commercially run so they just Turn up and make take their money from the passengers, yeah quite not as many people kind of assume that the council pays first bus to put a bus there, but that's not the case in most cases. There are routes, and especially in maybe in the evenings where it's like a public first bus wouldn't run it otherwise, and the council subsidized that that thing to ensure that there's still communities with buses,
0: yeah because they're not actually making that much money. No. It's not commercially viable, not so commercial- they're
2: doing it. Yeah. So, say for instance, there's a bus from I don't know, let's say, uh, Knoll West through Knoll to the city centre. Now, in on a Sunday evening, no one might be on. the Fewer people might be on that bus to make it worthwhile. So the council might subsidise it to so that it still runs outside of rush hour, basically. Mm. Um. So. The 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 council don't have that much control over the buses in terms of um, first bus and what the services they do and also how good they are whether they turn up and that kind of thing. Um, So what she is calling for, she's actually looked into this quite in depth. She's there. There is uh, the the council can do something and also the West of England Combined Authority Metro Mayor chap Tim Bowles
0: is that. Oh, okay. Is that like Weka? Yeah, Weka. That, yeah.
2: Weka. Weka, Weka can, uh, they've got more control over transport. So she's calling on them to step in and franchise. So basically turn Bristol's Ooh. public transport into the same as London, where in London, the authority transport for London, which is run by Steve Khan, the mayor, mm. they, um, they say what bus, they, they have complete control. And all they do is they they work out what buses need to go where when, and then they hire a bus company to put that bus service on, rather than the other way round, which is why first bus say we think we can make some money out of driving a bus from Brisbane to Clifton,
0: but we're not going to do this other route because it's <coughs> yeah yeah we don't want
2: to we're not going to um, yeah and and if there's a bus that you want they say to Bristol City Council if there's a bus that you want then you subsidise subsidise us. It, so it's kind of like flipping it really. And Interesting.
0: Do you yeah. think it would create more competition as well? You know, would it would it bring back other companies other than First? No, no, bus? I think no. that
2: yeah, I mean in theory no, it would be less competition because mm. the city council would have the um overriding authority on what buses went where. Yeah, I see, yeah. Um, what they it might create is competition in terms of who they they would throw it out there and say who wants oh, yeah, to run this. Oh yeah, that's
0: what bus. I mean. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, because at the moment you've got the the daft situation that you've got. Uh, it was Wessex, now it's stagecoach running um, buses up White Ladies Road with the same number and a different two different companies, and they're kind of competing with each other there. But that's competition, but there isn't. Uh, any competition anywhere else? First it's not getting a, spread out. Yeah. yeah, they have a complete monopoly. Yeah, um, and then the the latest interesting thing. There's a, so there's also so there's that protest. Then there's also a petition online, which I'm going to write about this week, um, saying the same thing, calling for the, the the local authorities to take a greater interest in the, in this mm. issue and actually do have more control over it, and. There's an interesting development this week in that the cabinet member for the city council, Mary Mary Threlfall, she resigned uh, this week. She was uh, the cabinet member for transport. Mm. She resigned. um, And the mayor, Marvin Rees, has instead of finding someone else to be the councillor in charge of transport, he has decided to take over that portfolio himself yeah. as well as being the mayor he's also the person responsible for transport which is quite an interesting development really um i think it makes it does make sense initially because obviously there's a lot of overlap between him and at uh, the bristol council and tim bowles the weka mayor. yeah and so uh and Marvin, the mayor, goes to... He can in, has an input into the West of England authority. So it does make a bit of sense that he is the person who talks about transport in Bristol and at mm. work. So
0: that- at a time as well where a lot of people will be calling on someone with a bit of clout behind them yeah. to take the helm on this. Yeah. Um, he's probably taking up a, a, a good time if he's able to do anything to...
2: Yeah, and it's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, from the point of view of Marvin's mayoral time mm. he that there, there are you know he, he got elected with lots of pledges and the, i think the, probably the two that the people that people wanted to that have most impact on the city and its everyday running is the first is housing and the second is transport mm. and he's kind of got around the housing thing um, quite well you know he had this target of two thousand houses every year, and he's he's gonna smash that by by twenty twenty um and actually transport is the next big task okay, so it's gonna be interesting to see what what happens about it
0: yeah and if he' able to actually smash this task yeah um much like the housing, yeah although you know there's still a crisis going on there it's is. not like we're out of the uh out of the water, yeah, but... Yeah.
2: Um, and it's just fascinating to see how, you know, in terms of what we report on as news, um, we would probably get com- people complain about buses not turning up every day. And often actually so much that it's not news anymore. Yeah. Um, you,
0: you often get people being like, why aren't you reporting this? Yeah.
2: And you're like, well, you know, that's been... Ha-. But when you get, it's obviously there is a problem mm. here and our stories have prompted first bus to be a lot more, um, uh, what's the word? They've been a lot more kind of open. And, yeah. Um, so we
0: we want to work. This is what's going on. Yeah. These are the problems. Yeah. We want to work to solve them, but sort of being truthful in it. Like a lot of the time when, you know, like you said, you angrily ask them on Twitter, why for the second time that morning, a bus has driven past you. Mm. Um, you don 't tend to get much back if yeah. if you do get anything back it's we 're really sorry for the your inconvenience today yeah. um, and it, it 's a frustration that builds in you and builds in you and it 's obviously been building in yeah. hundreds, probably thousands of people who use public transport across yeah. Bristol, and like you said it 's come to a head now. Um, where people have gone enough is enough something's got to be done and it is good that First Bus have responded
2: um, in the way they have yeah because in the past when it's been kind of low level First Bus are like nah it's fine Um, and then but now their their media people and um, James Freeman the the managing director of First Bus in this region have been a lot more high profile a lot more vocal about Mm. yes this is the situation it's not just us it's the traffic it's the congestion it's it's the extra demand um but we have got we have our own problems and these are our yeah. own problems
0: i admire their response i think it's got to be seen to be followed through with action now yeah. you know some some actual change is going to ha- have to happen uh, which will might actually be a bit uncomfortable for their company yeah. for the council um it's it's not going to change otherwise but yeah. Uh, yeah it's fascinating stuff
2: but yeah and and what, one thing i would like to say is please keep telling us yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) about buses
0: it's important um because after crescendos like this often you'll find the ill peter out because people will think oh well it's being dealt with you know um we've we've had our voices heard unfortunately change like that takes an awful long time and it actually keeps it needs us to keep doing stories about it yeah to keep the profile of this issue up. So yeah, like Tristan said definitely carry on get in touch with us um, and we will continue to write about it. Thank you Tristan.
1: Cool, thank you.
0: <laughs> keep writing about the buses. Will do. Thanks Tristan. Uh, I I hope you'll agree with me that that was a really fascinating insight into what's going on with the buses in Bristol. It'll be really interesting to see over the next um, few months whether the protests and the petition do make a difference and whether any changes are implemented. So we'll keep you up to date with that. Just head to our website at Bristol Live. Okay, thanks everyone for listening. That's all we have for this week. Uh, Remember you can rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also please follow us on twitter uh, you can join the conversation by tweeting at ibl podcast or you can find me personally at BronWeatherby. particularly if you want something discussed on the podcast next week or the week after that we haven't talked about yet please get in touch again thanks for listening bye